And we are live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies. Welcome to the Mid Podcast. And today I am joined by a very special guest. But before we get into that, I want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors, The Business Box, for supporting us. As always, you guys do an amazing job. So if you haven't checked out The Business Box, go check them out. And the founder is amazing. She has built three six-figure businesses, which is just nuts. Blows my mind every single time. So let's start today's episode. I'm joined by a very inspirational lady, somebody that has very recently come to my attention, but having just had a chat with her, I am blown away by all the things she's been able to do for diversity, for inclusion, all of the very important things that often get looked over, unfortunately, and she's making a massive change in the world, which is what we love. She's a badass woman in business. She takes no shit. She gets stuff done. And I, I love that, right? So Pam, over to you. Please do introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about what you do. Wow, what an amazing introduction. Thank you so much. So my name, hello everybody, my name is Pamela Akuli and I'm a mother of three boys of mixed heritage. I'm also the CEO and co-founder of two companies. Um, the first one is Just Like Me Books. Uh, Just Like Me Books are the UK's first interactive and inclusive picture books. And the difference with this is that we actually use technology such uh, called augmented reality technology to bring our stories to life. So with this, it's really important that we champion diversity, that children are able to see themselves represented in books. But we also know that we also know that children learn um, differently. So for us, it's really about championing those differences. So by utilizing the technology, you can have a hard copy of the book. You can download the app onto your smartphone or tablet device and fusing the real worlds and virtual worlds together. You can interact with the story. So like I said, it makes it a lot more accessible and inclusive for children of different um, abilities and ethnicities. And then my second company is just like, uh, sorry, is Combat Fitness. And I've been in the fitness industry for coming up to 14 years now. And with Combat Fitness, it is really about championing those who are underrepresented for those who feel that they can't just step into a gym or a studio, who maybe not have the support or network around them, but they really want to focus on their mental health as well as their physical health. So I stream live classes from my home to my members' home. And we've really built such a welcoming, inclusive community from people from all around the world of different kind of abilities and fitness levels. And uh, yeah, so everything that I do is the core focus is very much about inclusiveness and diversity. So um, that's basically me. Oh my goodness. And it's so important. And, and can I just say, I take full responsibility. You know, you were talking earlier about being a child and not seeing people who look like you in books. And yeah. it, it hit me because as a white woman, that never even crossed my mind when I was little. The yeah. fact that I just read my books and I loved books yeah. um, and I could relate to a lot of the characters. Yeah. And I didn't have, I didn't have that. And I think when you said that earlier, it, it was it made me think about actually you are so right there yeah. is even to this day there is very little out there that is about inclusivity mm -hmm. and having and diversity and having you know a autistic well I have two autistic children myself yeah. um even down to just having children with autism and books you know that's very very rare if at yeah. all <laughs> and the fact that we we're not talking about that 
it, that's yeah. shameful. So thank you so much for bringing that to my attention because actually <laughs> it's something that I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. And, you know, that that's sad. So let's, let's dig into that. Why mm-hmm. did you create the books that you've created? Because I'm blown away and this needs to be fully mainstream. Everybody needs to be talking about it mm-hmm. and it needs to be accessible for everybody. Let's rewind a little bit and talk about the start of your journey. Yeah, definitely. I think like, you know, growing up, very different um, to you is that, that I never saw myself represented mm. and I kind of just from a very early age just accepted that you know people who looked like me or from my background or from my culture we were just we were just never seen in books and that was that's how it was and it's a horrible feeling but I just it kind of accepted that mm-hmm. um but I generally thought that, you know, when I have my own children, that that wouldn't be the case. Now, I've got three boys of mixed heritage and my eldest son, Walter, was diagnosed with autism when he was three and he was nonverbal. Um, and although he really struggled to communicate with us, we found very early on that he was so infatuated with books. So he couldn't necessarily read the text but he just kind of gravitated towards the imagery and the pictures. And he was a very visual person. Mm-hmm. And he used to go and get books where, for example, a child was, you know, having a, having a snack or having a drink. And every time Walter wanted to drink, he would go and get that exact, exact book and mm-hmm. bring that page to us and point to us um, and point to the page. So we realized that he was using the imagery as a way of communication. Mm-hmm. And we thought, oh my God, that kind of blew our mind. We thought that's, inc- that's incredible. So let's just fill his like bookcase with lots of books where the character looks like him. This is 2017 and we couldn't find anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rare kind of books that we did find didn't really kind of, it was a white child. And it, the story is very much about what the character couldn't do all the struggles that that autistic person had. And yes, to one degree, that's incredibly important to you know create awareness about how people think differently and you know where they need support, absolutely. But we also need to be tapping into what their strengths are as well. And for my son in particular, like although he couldn't speak, he was an absolute whiz with technology, you know, tablets, my phone, laptops and things like that. So for us, we realised that, you know, that was kind of his strengths. And that's something that we really wanted to harness and encourage so he can go out into the world and thrive. And that's basically where the idea came from, writing the book, but also having the addition of the technology. So infusing the two together. So Mm -hmm. a child couldn't literally just pick up a book and read the text. They could still feel involved in that story. Um, and in the magic of storytelling by using the technology as a, as a bridge of that communication. Really, really important and something that I'm really passionate about. So my daughter is eight and she's autistic and she's uh, selected. She has selective mutism and mm. she really has struggled to learn to read. It has been incredibly challenging. Mm. And the challenge that I faced, and I don't know whether you've experienced this, but as she's got older, she's not wanted what she calls baby books. Yeah. But the reality is, is that for her ability, she needed to have more simplified text. Yes. And so the, the text is, the, the books with simplified text are aimed for younger children. So yeah. we had this kind of rebellion of, oh, I'm not reading that because it's a baby book. Mm. And I would say only the last year, bear in mind, she's almost nine, has reading started to unlock for her. Yeah. And I've really struggled with that because... I've re- I've struggled to find resources and and I have an extensive network as you as you can understand of people that provide 
educational tools to support children with different abilities um, that are accessible and that they want to tap into. You know, and that that is definitely a challenge. Yeah, I think it's one of these things, you know, like when we, we hear like diverse inclusiveness, it's for me, it's my lived in experience. So it's not a buzzword. It's not a trend. It's something yeah. that's been absolute commitment. But also when we're talking about diversity and inclusiveness, we're not just talking about, you know, ethnicity and religion. We're talking about different abilities. And when we're talking about different abilities, we really need to think about ways. We're living in a digital world right now where technology is advancing like at incredible rate. But we're still having this very linear tunnel vision mentality when it comes to education and how we're educating our children. And it's very much, we're still having this narrative fed to our children that, you know, you need to have nine GCSEs or, or, you know, four AS levels or whatever they are now. And then you have to go to college and then you have to go to university. And then if you tick all these boxes, then you're deemed as a success in society. (laughs) But the reality is that we're almost kind of trying to mold our children to all think the same by doing that way. And any child that doesn't fit that mold or doesn't tick those academic boxes are then deemed to be, you know, not successful or have behavior issues or whatever it is. And we put these labels onto them. Mm-hmm. But then when you get into the real world, the world that we're in now, and we're looking at entrepreneurship and we're looking at startup business and we're looking at creatives, everybody wants to differentiate themselves from their competitor. Yeah. It's almost like then we start to contradict ourselves because we're like, now we want to be different. Yeah. <laughs> now we want to think differently. But yeah, up until a certain point for the, the last 20 odd years or whatever it is that you've been in the education system, we've been told to think the same, to do the same. So for me personally, I'm just like, you know what, when we're talking about diversity and inclusiveness, let's also let's also really challenge and have the conversations about neurodiversity, whether that's AS, uh, you know, ASD, autism, whether it's ADHD that I have and my middle child has, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Whether it's dyslexia and dyspraxia, let's have these conversations and let's also think about ways that we can support children at a really early age. Let's have the conversations in nursery, in preschool, in primary mm-hmm. school, let's not wait until they're teenagers when they've already started to, you know, if, accumulate some you know racial biases and, and stereotypes yeah. when we wait in until adulthood to then start talking about these conversations when they need to happen really early on in childhood and we need to start to think as children as individuals and find out the areas that yes they're struggling with and how can we support them but also let's look at the way that they thrive in certain areas encourage them to be and bring their whole self to the table and I think that's what's really important you said something really important there about being your whole self and I find I find this subject quite difficult to talk mm-hmm. about and I, the reason why I find it so difficult to talk about is because I was brought up in Leicester mm-hmm. it's multicultural you know everybody is you know their own selves and everybody's proudly who they are and you know I used to go to one of my best friend's houses and she was Sikh and then I go to my other friend's house and they were Hindu and they take me to their place of worship and I never honestly like I never even thought twice about it and so diversity and inclusion really was ingrained in me so Mm. now it's a it's a thing right it's a it's a thing and I find it difficult that it's a thing because to me it's not it shouldn't be a thing it's like it's we're having to make it a conversation and we're having to 
talk to our children about it because they don't learn about it in school especially when I moved out of Leicester to a a, a very I would call it a very white area I find I found that incredibly difficult because my children I was not having my children brought up in a certain way. So yeah. I wanted them to have all different types of friends. And where we actually lived, there weren't many different types of friends. And I actually really struggled with that. Yeah. And I, I, I then made a conscious effort that we weren't going to stay in our area, not because I wanted to deliberately target anybody else, but because mm-hmm. I wanted them to have a wider picture of the world mm-hmm. and who people are. And I think this is... A reason why I homeschool and world school is because I want my children to have a broad view of the world. And so when diversity and inclusion is like a massive topic of conversation, I actually find it really difficult because for me, it's like, why is it a thing? Like, why do we keep having to go back to something that we should have really had a conversation about 40 years ago? Yes. Um, And so I want it to not be a forced narrative, but something that we just take for we just have as our daily life and I you're think. right and and you know children should be represented of all different nationalities or different races or different religions and it shouldn't it, we shouldn't it should be everywhere I know. Just in places. I know I think the reality is though is that like your childhood childhood upbringing is great that you were exposed to so many different cultures and ethnicities and I think that's great but the the reality is that there's a, a large proportion of people who don't have that, who yeah. literally are living in their own kind of bubble, so to speak, mm-hmm. where they will walk down the road and they'll see people who look like them, who sound like them, who come from the same background as them. And that will be their reality for like the majority of their life until maybe they decide to leave that town or mm-hmm. area. And then they go to a different town like Leicester, like Birmingham, like London, where it's multicultural. And then they're faced with a new reality that there's people that don't look like them and how do they interact with people who don't look like them because maybe the only people that they've seen that looks like that person is on a soap opera and it is a Indian gentleman who works in a news agent so they've got this stereotype of like that's what all Indian people do yeah um classic example I remember growing up and watching this is showing my age now but do you remember the bill the tv yeah and I remember watching it with my parents and my sister and we used to have this game and we were just like who wants to bet that the criminal is going to be a black guy and 99% of the time the criminal in the bill was the black guy so this is the narrative that people and the stereotypes that people see so they may not see a black person in their village or town but they see it on tv and Mm -hmm. that's the only that's the only representation they have so they grow up thinking that, you know, black people tend to be criminals and, you know, Islamic people tend to be terrorists. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, so you and I are just like, well, that's BS, clearly. But yeah. to them, that has been their narrative their entire life. And they've accumulated these biases as they've grown up. And when they've gone into the workplace, maybe they've seen a, a black person for the first time, you know, in the flesh. And they're like, oh, my God, the person's not a criminal. Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? Um, But they've already had these kind of stereotypes imprinted into them from such a young age. So for me, I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to the point because it's very heavy work that I do. 
because I'm talking about things that happened in my childhood that I didn't think I'll be having to talk about in my adulthood. And I am. And then I'm seeing injustice in the world. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like this is happening again. History is repeating itself over and over. And then there's, and there's a selective group of people going like, but why do we always have to talk about race? And why do we have to talk about slavery? It happened 400 years ago. It happened mm. 400 years ago, but the, but we're not learning from that. Yeah, because then we have the murder of George Floyd. Um, and then we're faced with the realization that a black man, although it happened thousands of miles away in America, we've got, again, we've got this kind of cultural mentality in the UK that racism doesn't happen in the UK. It definitely does. As a black woman, it happens. It's happened to me. And we get this kind of like, this kind of weird dialogue where we go oh no that's not racism oh I've got loads of black friends I mean that doesn't give you a pass <laughs> because you've got a black friend or you know somebody do you know what I mean we all have biases let's just get that straight yeah we do. and this is the thing it, we all I mean, uh, and this is our reality we all we're all conditioned as humans I mean yeah. the media our friends our family where we live how we're brought up all of those things we all mm. have conditioning and we all do have biases and I think this is why conversations like this are really important and for me I find that people are afraid to have the conversations because they don't understand. So yeah. instead of have, instead of learning and putting yourself in a position where actually I don't understand this, but I want to learn about it, mm-hmm. um, people are too afraid to have that conversation and therefore they continue in their own you know, narrative of whatever it is. And I think it's why it's, it's a really important conversation to have, to challenge your own narrative. Like I consistently want to be challenged. I want to challenge myself and help me understand as a human, how I can be a better human, a more compassionate human, a more understanding. Because I genuinely, so I, in my naivety, genuinely thought that, you know, my my narrative was one that was understanding. However, having spoken to lots of different types of people and them explaining that their situations still look this way, I'm like, Jesus, like that still goes on in life just because I don't think that way doesn't mean that other people don't think that way. And that must be a challenge on a daily basis to have to deal with. And can you imagine being a child that's not represented or you know, the only person in the classroom that looks like them. I've never even thought about that because I don't have that. I Because I have my own experience of being a white person and I don't have to experience that. And that that's sad. And I feel saddened that that happens still on a daily basis. But the reality is if we have these conversations, we can allow more people to understand. And when there's understanding... For me, then there's education and, and people can learn to be more compassionate. I think compassion for me is massive. Yeah. I, I, You know, we don't all have to be on the same plate all the time. But if you have a level of compassion with people, then the world would be a better place. So whether it's it's a it's, you know, it's a special need, it's a race, it's a religion. I don't yeah. need to have the same opinions as you, but I can. We can still hold space, and we can still, you know, I appreciate you as a person. Um, yeah. And that for me is important. So what you're doing is really, really important work. Where do you? How do we change the narrative? What What is What is the bigger picture mission? Okay, so let me give you an example. 2019, I submitted my first book, my manuscripts to publishers. And the feedback that I had was that it was a great story, but would I think about changing the character? And I thought, hmm, 
went back to them. I was like, what do you mean change the character? Long story short, they're basically saying to change the character to a white character. The character that I'd written was a mixed race autistic boy. They thought that by changing the character to a white character, it will make it more marketable. And um, that, again, in itself, I thought, God, publishers really have the balls to turn around to me. I was going to say, can you, you know what I mean? even say that legally? Well, they can, though, can't they? Because if you think about it, the, publish, the publishing industry is one of the longest industries that we had. And who did they cater for when we're talking about picture books specifically? I mean, yeah, absolutely. They're catering for white mothers. That's what they're catering for, who are going to pick up these books for their children and things like that. They're not catering for people who look like me. So when I'm presenting them with a story, they are thinking, how is this white woman going to relate to this mixed race and neurodivergent character as well? Mm -hmm. It's like too much for them. It's not going to sell. It's not marketable, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward. Three months later, we had the murder of George Floyd. We had the rise of Black Lives Matter. These same publishers were now changing the narrative, saying we need more diverse voices. We need mm -hmm. more diverse authors. You know, uploading the Black Square on their social media as a, like a form of solidarity, things like that. And honestly, Leona, it was one of those moments when I was just so incredibly angry for so many different reasons. Yeah, it was almost like you're piggybacking on the murder of a black guy and you're piggybacking on this whole trend now of diversity and inclusiveness because you're seeing it from um, um from a financial point of view not from a compassionate point of view or just seeing it for the fact that someone died because of the color of their skin so how can we be a better ally? How can we change this narrative so that this doesn't happen again? No, no, no. That's not what they're thinking about. They're thinking about how can we capitalize on this and sell more books? And for me personally, to change the narrative, it's not an overnight thing. And I think this is what people want. We're, we're humans. We want to fix things and we want things to happen instantly. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to put that much work into it as well. Now, for me, the work starts in the home environment. Do you know what I mean? Before you even step out your front door, when you've got children or nieces or grandchildren or things like that, and you're looking at their bookshelves and you're thinking, hang on, how can we diversify the bookshelf a little bit more? How can we have these conversations? Because I don't know about autism, but I'm sure my grandchild or child's going to ask me one day and I want to be able to tell them. Do you know what I mean? And when we don't have this level of education and awareness, then we start telling our children, oh, don't ask that question or that's rude or or things like that. And we're like, no, it's not rude, it's reality. There's like, you know, so many people of different abilities in the world, we should be talking about these as well. So for me, it happens in the home. We have the conversation, look about the, you know, the TV programs that you watch and the books that you read and, you know, where you're buying from. Do you know what I mean? Have you thought about buying from, you know, um, black owned businesses or minority ethnic businesses? And, or have you thought about going to an event where maybe you, the minority how would that sit with you do you know what I mean for some people they'll be like I don't care because that's great <laughs> that you know was mean? my initial thought I would right. you know be like give me the ticket now I'll go do you know what I mean <laughs> like I wanted to be part of a gospel choir and people are like Leona you're the only white person I was like yeah <laughs> like I'm not bothered so I I do and this is my own naivety it's like why would I care like, that yeah. doesn't even enter my mind because yeah. it's just how I am as a person it's, 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, honestly, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I am so grateful for you joining me here today. I really am. And this conversation needs to be continued. And I would love to continue to have this conversation over a period of time with you. Because as you said, it's not a one, it's not a plaster. Like, it's not something you could just be like, right, that's done. Thank you very much. Um, move on from it it's a continuous conversation it's continuously representing all different types of people all different types of abilities all different races religions nationalities and that's what I love what I I genuinely am really proud of MIB um and I'll be completely honest with you I had a publicist who is a black lady she's amazing shout out to Hadi and she was like the owner this is about three years ago. Your branding's too white. And I was like, what do you mean my branding's too white? Like, I, it never crossed my mind. And she was like, where's your representation? And I realised that, of course, we have women of all different nationalities attend the events. But she was, they weren't pictured as much in photos. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I hadn't even thought about it. And I am totally open as a business owner to somebody checking me right come and check me and I think that's the thing is you should be able to check your friends you should be able to check the people around you and say oh by the way did you have you thought about this and it's not about being aggressive it's not about it's just about being able to have those conversations and actually as the receive a person on the receiving end being able to go do you know what I had no idea but thank you very much for bringing it to my attention I'm gonna go do something about it um so I appreciate you very, very much. I think what you do is amazing. I would love you to send me all of the details afterwards because I am definitely having this, this, these books. Um, so before you go, where can everybody find you? Okay, so I'm on Instagram at just underscore like underscore me underscore stories. Um, LinkedIn, Pamela Rakuli, that's A-C-U-L-E-Y. And if you go on my website as well, lots of information on there. It's www.justlikemebooks.co.uk. Everybody needs to go out right now and go and check that out. Pam, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I appreciate you. You are absolutely awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you.